podcast, we've got a treat for you today. I've got the disruptive entrepreneur, Rob Moore, coming to talk to you about entrepreneurial mindset. Let's do this. Rob Moore, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. Thanks, Joel. Really good to have you. Really grateful for you coming on. Um, today, we're going to be talking about growth mindset. And my first question for you, let's, let's hit this. You've gone from a small business person to an entrepreneur. When did you see the mindset shift and, and what did that mean? What made that happen? December the 15th, 2005, my dad had a massive nervous breakdown in his pub in front of all of his customers. Got beaten up by the police in front of everyone, including me, my mum and my sister. They were bawling their eyes out. I just stood there frozen with fear. They bundled him into the police van, tied him up and sectioned him and Mm -hmm. diagnosed him with, back then it was called manic depression. I think it's now bipolar. And uh, I suppose I'd been raised to be an entrepreneur, probably from age six. Dad got me working in his pub age six, which is probably illegal now, but I loved it. I love putting putting all the money in the till and giving the customers the change and learning how to count real fast from age six. I loved emptying the slot machines, fruit machines, the pool tables, counting the money, bagging it up. I loved putting all the bottles back on the shelves and, you know, changing the kegs. I mean, six, seven, eight years old, changing the beer kegs and bringing all the, yeah, I felt like I owned the place and I freaking loved it. And dad instilled that into me. Uh, And I worked all the time. I worked evenings and weekends, even at school, earned good money, but didn't know how to manage it. But then sort of 13, 14 years old, um, fell in love first time um, and got, you know, really got interested in my first girlfriend and sport and got sort of in the school system. And I guess I forgot that, you know, I love. I didn't even know I didn't know what the word entrepreneur was when I was six and eight and 10 and 12, but just loved working and making money and making shit happen, impressing my dad. Um, But then I wake up, I'm 25 years and 11 months, and then my dad's being beaten up by the police in front of me, and I've got myself 50 grand in debt, and I'm complacent, cocky, arrogant chip on my shoulder, full of hate and jealousy and envy and anger to the world. Felt really unlucky. Anyone who was successful was just lucky or born into wealth. Life isn't fair. Fuck you all. But it was hurt, but I didn't know how to handle the hurt. It was hurt from being a fat kid at school. It was hurt from um, always being good but never great at something. I could take to most things, but never was the best. Um, And so that was when everything changed for me because I spent a week beating myself up, hating myself, hating myself. Um, that I had to watch my dad go through that. And I felt quite part responsible putting him through that. He put me through school, put me through uni, paid for private school, paid for my university, my accommodation, my first house, my first car. And I um, I felt like I'd really let him down. And everything changed. That's really, really honest. Um, obviously, you won't know this, but my, my dad has bipolar as well. So I, uh, I understand the situation and I've seen the the whole beat them up and not understand the whole element of social care and and uh and a business owner i also understand that element of wanting to impress your dad wanting to uh kind of have a mindset that's resilient enough to not become your dad as well i i would say that's a little bit of an element of what goes on with me so what that that moment happening 
and then your tra- your trajectory from there. What's that meant for you personally? Um, I have a fucking amazing life. And I don't say that to brag. I say that because I really breathe it in. For me, complacency is the enemy of everything. 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 Your relationship is over as soon as you get complacent. Your business is over as soon as you get complacent. Or if it's not over, you'll get a, a shock in the form of feedback from the universe. And I see it in people everywhere. They get comfortable. And um I reject that vehemently, and I will even create a freaking massive amount of chaos around my life, even if I feel the pain, to make sure that I'm never complacent. And it's not always easy because when things are going well, that is almost like a natural, you know, tendency, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm not complacent about my life. I'm not a billionaire, but... You know, I, I own, co-own, manage 1,200 properties. I don't know what our portfolio values. You're probably pushing 50 million maybe. And if that was in London, that would be 500 million. I'm only 42 and I've written 18 books and I'm only 42. And I've got two public speaking world records and I've done 150 million, if not more, in revenue. And that's probably not even including the, the property portfolio and... I've got one of the, the most successful business podcasts probably in the world, actually, and the disruptive entrepreneur. And, and I'm still hungry as fuck. And that, that is nowhere near enough, nowhere near enough. Um, I'm probably the most proud of retiring my dad and my mum. They left the pub, their last pub, and they didn't have any fucking money. And I bought my house and bought my car and I buy my car every two or three years and, you know, or get a lease and pay the lease for them. And I've, I've sent them around the world, you know, Cayman Islands every year, Dubai, all these places, you know, I paid for it all. Um, and that makes me pr- feel pretty amazing. Yeah. That, you, you know, I just got an amazing feeling in, through my entire body to know that I'm able to give that gift to my family. Um which is why everyone should love money and everyone should know that money is important and everyone should realize it's their freaking obligation to go and get very successful. Because, you know, if, you, if one of your family members has just been diagnosed with a really nasty, aggressive cancer, if you've got a load of money, you can accelerate the curation process or the curing process. And if you haven't, you can't and you have to just wait and hope you get treated. So the reality is money is really valuable and useful. It's a, a very, very um, powerful tool. Um, so I can't quite remember the words of the question. I'm very grateful for my life, but I'm so hungry that I've only just started my journey. I mean, if I keep going till I'm 92, then I, hopefully I'm going to have made a bit of a difference on this planet, and that's my goal. Awesome. So it's funny. I've just I've just said to our team, we've we've reached a point that we've been aiming for for a long time, and the words I use to my team is, "This is just the start." And how do you sustain that hunger? Where does it come from? What? Pain. pain, pain, hunger is pain. Like, let's not bullshit and let's not fluff it all up. If you are hungry, right, for food, like really hungry, that's painful. Sure. If you haven't been laid for three years and you are hungry for sex, thirsty. that's fucking painful. Thirsty. <laughs> yeah, thirsty. <laughs> if you are hungry for success, that is pain. And too many people think pain is bad. Pain can be your greatest friend. I want to prove someone wrong. I want to show my dad I've got it. I want to be higher in the rich list. I want to beat the competitors. 
I want to um, get rid of all my baggage from when I was young. What yada, 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 yada pain. Don't let it consume you. It's a fine line. Like, you know, in the X-Men and the superhero movies, their um, superpower is also their extreme weakness. Sure. You know, the kryptonite for Superman. And we're all a bit like that, where if we're on the right edge of that pain, it's so motivating. Like, I'll give you an example. You're in a relationship, you're comfortable, everything's good, you've been together quite a long time, you put on a bit of weight, you're a bit lazy, you're a bit sort of, you know, you're just floating along in life and your partner cheats with your best friend. What do you go and do? Right, motherfucker, you go out, you get down the gym twice a day, you hit it hard, I'm going to look so good, you're going to be jealous, you start your business, you change your career, you are hungry and motivated to prove to them that what they've done is wrong and that they're going to regret ever doing that to me and I'm going to be so amazing that they're going to wish they had me. Why? Because it hurts. Because it hurts. And um, I just think there's a lot of avoidance of that. And I'm really trying to embrace that. And, and feel that um, and shake things up. You know, I've seen some complacency around um, coming out of lockdown. Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, if I look at my staff and I'm looking, are you hungry? Are you complacent? And if they're complacent, it's my job to make them hungry again. I think a part of being a leader, you know, there's a lot of, it's all the inspirational stuff and the, the kindness and the caring. That's all good. Do you know sometimes the kindest thing you can do is shake someone the fuck up so they change their life yeah. or let them go or reject them because you know it will teach them a great lesson. And I'm a bit of a people pleaser naturally. I don't like conflict naturally. But don't let people get away with shit. Don't let your employees get away with shit. Don't let your partner get away with shit. And don't let yourself get away with shit. And by the way, I'm being direct. You don't have to talk like a twat or communicate bluntly. Just don't avoid those difficult conversations. I think you're all the great things in your life at the other end of difficult conversations. But avoid those difficult conversations and all you do is build up this comfort and complacency and in the end it'll have to come out somehow. So that's yeah. where I'm at in my life at the moment. Anyway. Yeah, and I think you end up with um, inner resentment too. If you sit there comfortable, you, there's always something ticking away in the back of your mind. What you repress must be expressed. Nice, nice. So something you touched on there, keeping your staff hungry. So obviously we're talking about business owner mindset, entrepreneur mindset, but actually that, that leadership thing, how do you impress that on, on the team? Because you'll have natural leaders in the team. You'll have people in the team who are naturally hungry. You have some people who want to come to work nine to five, go home, see their wife and kids. How do you make sure they're all on the same journey? Well, I think you have to have an inspired mission. So I think the solution to all lack of direction and pain is have an inspired mission, have a vision to change the world in your own way and have an inspired magnetic mission that people align to. So mine is to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get better financial knowledge. And I'm not fucking ending until uh, I am in the ground and I might be 92 or 102 or 152 if the, you know, the technology carries on like it is, but I'm not stopping. And everyone knows I'm not fucking stopping and the train is going fast. And if they like that vision, they're getting on a fast train and people love that. They need that. People who haven't got their own mission will jump on someone else's mission. So I would say having a strong mission and vision. The next thing I would say, I don't know that this is right or wrong. And it might be a phase I'm in in life or it might be something I believe until I die. 
But what you generally see is cyclical management style where, you know, you get autocratic or authoritarian strong leadership and then you get almost more sort of collective, kind, considered leadership. And I look at both of those and I think one always says that the other is wrong. But I don't know that. I think it's just cycles. I think I saw this really good meme. In fact, let me get it up and, 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 sh- and read it to you. And it's from Patrick Bet David. I always like to give credit. And the meme is hard times create capitalists. Capitalists create good times. Good times create socialists. Socialists create hard times. <laughs> Repeat. So basically, hard times build resilience and meritocracy and capitalism, which creates good times, creates economy, builds things, gets shit done. Then the complacency and the good times kick in. And then we look to our, our evenly distribute it to everyone, which then creates the bad times again. That's what that's trying to say. And I think there's cycles in everything. And I don't, I, I think some of the leadership has gone a little bit soft. And I think some of my leadership probably got a bit soft. And I think you keep your staff hungry by having an inspired vision and then just being really honest about what your culture is. And I've probably tried to be too chameleon-like or work out everyone's values and give everyone a place. But I'm like, I get up at 5.30 a.m. and I start work at 5.30 a.m. And I'm just going to be completely blunt with you here. Joel, I pulled my star, my sales staff into a meeting and we had an agenda. So I do weekly training with my sales team. Well, we've got, we've actually got three sales departments and it's one of them. And there's like one girl and like about 15 hungry lags. You know, they've both got two dicks, you know, they're like <laughs> hungry as, as, as hell, but they're green. And, and we had an agenda for some objection overcomers and yada, yada, yada. And I just said, look, turn off the recording. There's no, here's the agenda. How fucking hungry are you? Because you get in at nine and by nine, I've done a day's work and I've had two orgasms. And I said that straight to them. And of course, they had a good laugh and everything else. But by nine o'clock, I have smashed out a hell of a load of stuff. And then some people are, oh, well, we can't do that, Rob, because it's 8.30 a.m. and the stuff don't get in till nine. I just I, I have to be honest and say, fuck that, because that's not the culture that I'm creating. I hate holidays. Like people think holidays are the answer. Let me tell you about a holiday. Sorry, I'm just going to fucking ramp. No, this is awesome. (laughs) Right. So um, generally what happens with a holiday, generally speaking, is one, the idea and the fantasy of a holiday is way better than the reality. Two, you're trying to run away from something when you go on holiday. I know this isn't going to be popular, but I'm just saying it. Three, you spend far too much money that you don't have. Four, you put on a load of fucking weight and feel really like uncomfortable. And then you come back. You've got a zillion emails and you're behind by two weeks. Your credit card bills come in. I mean, I can't do a holiday that's any less than 10 grand, even if I go to freaking Cornwall. It's just impossible now. And, and then you, and you, you fucking put on four kilos and you feel shit. Now that, so look, there's a time and a place for holidays. I know, and Rob, they don't go up, but like uh, people are picking the wrong fucking time to go on holiday sometimes. Like we've been in a lockdown for a year. A lot of people have had a year to take a holiday and now they're taking them all in August. For fuck's sake, do some work, get some shit done, you know, and <laughs> sorry, Joel. But like, uh, so I just feel like that's how I see the world. It's my company. It's my inspired mission and vision. 
I can pretend that this and that and the other are all good. No, this is the culture. Now, there is a line and I have to respect employment law and, um, you know, the fact that people do need rest uh, and the fact that people are entitled to holiday and, you know, all this stuff. And, and I've done I've given so much. I've given so much of that. But we've come out of the biggest freaking, well, we've come out of the only lockdown we've ever had and the, the greatest threat to all businesses we've just come out of. And if people are wanting to take a three-week holiday off of that, you know, and want to turn in at 9.30 and leave at 4.30, fuck off and work for someone else, not me. Because <laughs> like, I want to attract the hungry people, the people that want to change the world, the people that want to make 200 grand a year but know what to do to do it and are prepared to do the work that it takes. And some people want to be a leader, but they want to work six hours a day and talk for five hours or be on social media for five hours. They like the idea of it, but they don't want to do what it takes. Through the lockdown, Joel, right? I virtually got rid of no one and I virtually paid 80 staff. Well, in fact, no, we paid 150 staff in our property companies as well through the whole of the lockdown. Do you know how many of them came up to me and said, Rob, thanks for paying me through the lockdown? Fucking none. None. Do you know how, do you know for probably six months of the lockdown, Mark and I didn't pay ourselves? No one knows this. And look, I'm not having to go at my staff. They're people and I love them. And I've got, you know, this is I'm just telling you how it is. Yeah. Um, so I need to make sure then that I'm honest about how I see the world and what my mission is and what I stand for and what I stand against. Because if I'm not honest about that, I'm going to attract the wrong people. Yeah. And if someone's like, oh, well, I don't want to just send an email at 8:30 because I don't check in till nine. Good, go and work for more than insurance. That's Don't the, come and work for me. That's the trailer sorted. Before <laughs> na- before nine a.m., I've done a day's work and I've had two orgasms. Tra- trailer <laughs> done. So you know, I I really appreciate what you've said there. I think myself and my business partner have that rant every day behind closed doors, where it's the well, we didn't fucking pay ourselves last year. You know, why are they booking holidays now? Blah. But it it that's something as a business owner that can affect your mindset as well. That whole resentment to people who will never want to be an entrepreneur or never be a business person. They do want a day job. How do you deal with that? Well, I really, I'm really grateful for that kind of person. Sure. Because if it weren't for that kind of person, I wouldn't have all my staff. Because let's now let's put it on the other foot. I've just had a bit of a rant on seeing it from the entrepreneur's point of view. Yeah. Now let's put it on the other foot. If I hired 80 entrepreneurs, then there would be wild testosterone. There would be everyone ignoring whatever I said, doing the fuck what they want. They'd be setting up their own business on the side. They'd be using my time to do it. And then they'd go and nickel my IP and my database after two years and rape everything that they could about me for two years. So, you know, that's the other side, isn't it? And we've so all that, had that happen. We've all had exactly. that happen as well. And if, so. you have, if you haven't had that happen, you haven't had enough stuff. Yeah. And, you've, and, and look, let's just be even more honest. We've all done that to someone. Yeah. I've worked for someone, learned from him, and then set up a competing business. So, you know, no one is exempt of this judgment. But so the people that are loyal and steady and consistent and see the world a bit differently to me and, you know, aren't as disruptive and are more careful and are more technical, I'm really grateful to those people. I don't need everyone to start at 5.30 a.m. and finish at 9 p.m. I do need some, but it's more the attitude. It's more the, the desire to be in a disruptive environment. But so if the role only needs to be nine to five, that's great. But some roles don't need to be nine to five. Like sales is not a nine to five role. Yeah. But certain admin roles are. Um, so no, I'm really I'm like every landlord needs a tenant. 
every employer needs an employee. So actually, you don't hear me dissing being an employee or the employee mindset. I don't diss that because I need that and I respect that. I, there's a lot, I have a lot of admiration for someone who is so consistent that they can crack on and do the same kind of thing over and over. And people like you and I would say, oh, well, that's death. And, you know, that's just like dying slowly. But it's also consistency. Sure. And like, if my boss pissed me off, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I'd basically ruin my life telling him where to fucking go. Whereas some people, their boss can piss them off every day and they can just take it and carry on and rise above it. So I have a lot of admiration for that kind of person. You just got to know what kind of person you are. And you need both in your organization and you've got to know what kind of person you want to hire. Cool. No, that's great. So you've done it for me. You've done it for me. When you're successful, when you're the disruptive entrepreneur, often you're putting your head above the parapet. And with that can come quite a bit of flack, quite a bit of... With that, you are guaranteed to receive a lot of flack. Let's not dance around it. There is a universal law of balance that states that this is a law. This is not a something you can get away with. This is not something that you can do a certain behavior and avoid. It is a universal natural law that you need equal support and challenge and you will get equal support and challenge and it's challenge that makes you grow. The purpose of a critic is to force you to grow. The purpose of a hater is to take you to the new level of growth. So I just wanted to state that yeah. so that everyone knows the reality. I fucking love having haters. I need more of them. If anyone's got any going spare, give them to me. Bring them on. They're brilliant for my algorithms. You know, they they, they get my threads and sub-threads going wild. I fucking love them. Bring them on. Bring on all the socialists, all the communists, all the people who hate money, all the people who haven't had sex for 25 years who are so fucking uptight. Bring them all onto my Facebook page. I love them all. Nice. All right. Well, I was going to ask <laughs> is, uh, how, how did you flip your mindset to that point where you knew it, it was, you've turned it into a positive? Because I know who I am. Fair. When you don't know who you are, the opinions of other people will shape how you perceive who you are. Sure. When you know who you are, no one can shape what you think about yourself. And I've spent millions on personal development and therapy and courses and mentors and masterminds to try and work out the complex nature of who am I? Who am I is the most complicated question probably man will ever ask themselves. And of course, women as well. And non-binary gender, you know, everybody, the most complicated question in life, you will probably ask yourself is who am I? But if you ask that to yourself every single fucking day, you will get closer to the essence of who you are. Me, I'm a fully expressed human being. If I don't express, I repress. I need to express the, the bolder, more risky, more, um, direct version of me is a greater service to my family, to my community, to my staff. And of course, it brings great challenge. The more extreme you are of something, the more extreme you're going to attract of the opposite. You know, the more capitalist you are, the more socialists are going to hate you. The more left you are, the more the right are going to hate you. So, um, yeah, I suppose I've owned that because I know who I am. And I just know it's a universal law of business growth. Like if, if, you, if you learn the universal laws of money and business and human beings, and you know those laws can't be broken and you, you just accept them, you don't fight them anymore. But people are always trying to fight. Oh, well, I'm sure there's a way I can do this without getting criticized. And, you know, they're trying to fight. But the, you don't know, but your critics are your greatest gift. Because your critics have the confidence and the courage and the hate and the pain to say, Joel, I don't like what you said there. I don't like what you did there. 
And that will get you to stop and question what you did to check that it's authentic. And that is a gift. And if no one stops Joel and goes, Joel, should you be saying that? Should you be doing that? And you don't question yourself. You don't grow. And if no one challenged Joel, Joel would become, he's not going to like me saying this, but if no one questioned, no one challenged Joel and there was no accountability, Joel would do what the fuck he wants. Get cocky, complacent, do what he wanted. There'd be attrition. He'd be selfish because human that, that beast in Joel would come out because there's no accountability. If you could say what you want and do what you want and get what you want, there's no accountability. But if Joel knows that there's people waiting to get him, there's people watching him, Joel will be more careful and considered and balanced and researched and planned about what he says and he does. And that is a gift. That is a gift. But in what we do is we allow them to suppress who we are when they do that. So I, I'm so grateful for my critics. I've learned way more from my critics than from my fans. And I love my fans, but I've learned way more. But then you have to know where the line is. So people always ask me about critics, but actually there's critics, trolls, haters, wankers. You know, there's different levels. A critic is someone who will communicate feedback to you that you won't like, probably not in a way that you like, but there's volition in that. And you should observe that. A troll is an illegal profile that someone wants to bring you down or hurt you or even drive you to quitting your business or even to suicide. Trolling is illegal. Trolls should be reported to the police if you can if you can find out who they are. A hater is someone who hates themselves so much that they're just leaking it out onto you. And, and, and a wanker is just like, never wrestle with a pig in shit because you both get covered in shit, but the pig loves it. <laughs> so, you know, you have, to, you have to choose your battles. Do you want to get covered in shit and you hate it and they love it? If not, don't even get in the fucking shit pen with them. Just so I've got to know, right, I'm not getting in the shit pen with you. Actually, I'm going to listen. Even though you talk to me like a twat, what you're saying has merit. Yeah. And that's illegal. And I'm reporting you to the police because people have committed suicide based on being trolled. Sure. I'm strongly against trolling and defamation and all of that. You know, everyone deserves the right to make a living. And if a troll is defaming, like... I would rather you go for me personally and pick holes in who I am than go for my company and try and ruin that brand reputation and the equity of it that I built over 15 years and my staff's livelihood. So if people go for the reputation of my company, I'm getting the lawyers out. I'm fucking squashing them. If they go for me, I don't really care. I just take it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you mentioned something there about investing in yourself, you know, therapists, mindset, growth. (laughs) Well, I think what a lot of people don't understand is that as they become more successful, they're going to have to invest in themselves more because the the problems don't get smaller, they get bigger. You You just learn to deal with them better. So when did you realize that and what did you start to do? What are the things you would tell an entrepreneur to do? Well, look, the, invest, the investment in yourself is the best investment you can ever make. I learned that 15 years ago when my dad had his nervous breakdown and I started my journey of personal development. Your business can only grow at the speed and the level that you grow. And for every new level, it's a new devil. So to that end, investing in yourself will pay you the best return. So invest in yourself wisely. And people think like, you know, you wouldn't have one shower and go, well, that's good. I've had my life shower now. Job done. Be nice, wouldn't it? But you have to have a shower every day unless you want to repel people. Well, you have to top up your positivity, your inspiration, your education, your knowledge, and your experience on a daily basis. Otherwise, you'll decay. One of the universal laws I have also observed, as well as we need equal support and challenge, and we will get um, given equal support and challenge by the universe. Um, Because have you noticed when you're really down, people will support you? 
And then when you're really up and cocky, people will pull you down. That is a universal law of equal support and challenge. Um, I was going to give you another universal law. I've completely forgotten what it was. And mind, I probably, I probably said enough on that point. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's, it's that whole, how do you know where to invest in yourself? What? That's it. Universal law. It's, if you look at anything, it's either growing or dying. Nothing, nothing is avoiding decay and staying the same. Nothing. The sun is burning itself out, it, you know, million year by million year by million year by million year. You know, human beings are, we're either growing and strengthening or we get to the we grow, grow, the growth slows, the growth slows, the growth slows, and then we gently start to decay. So everything is growing or dying. I've never seen any other, like even the most robust metal in 10,000 years, that becomes carbon or rust or whatever. So that is the same with your brain. So feed it. Nice. So if you were to start again today, what's the one thing you'd do differently with your personal growth? Um, I'd probably hire staff quicker. I think I, I, I wore the whole work hard, graft, hustle as a badge of honour. Look at me working 16 hours a day. I'm working harder than every other motherfucker. And I was proud of it and I bragged about it a bit. Um, I haven't got time for anything. I haven't got time for women. I haven't got time for anything. I'm working 16 hours a day. Um, and I probably did too much admin and small time stuff myself. Way easier now, Thai stuff. You've got VAs, you've got people per hour that you can pay per hour. You can outsource virtually everything. So I'd do that differently and we'd have probably grown a bit quicker. Um, I'd probably try and get more mentors, but I did get mentors. So I did well on that. But, you know, the answer to every problem that you've got, someone else has um, solved that. Um, and what, what is hard to you is easy to someone else. Yeah, but, you know, I've had a good ride, Joel. Um, um, you know. I, I, I've been pretty lucky. Nice. Yeah, the mentorship thing's a, an interesting point. Obviously, uh, me and you chat on WhatsApp. You're one of my mentors. Uh, I've got several other mentors. Uh, when did you know that that was going to be important to you? Um, end of December 2005, when I met Mark Homer and I met Warren Bourget, and I got to know them and realised I could learn from them, and I managed to get my ego out of the way because I was reading personal development. And, you know, sometimes you look at someone who knows more than you and you go, who do you think you are? And other times you look at someone who knows more than you and go, you go, how can I learn what you know? And it's all your own attitude. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I could dislike someone. And if they know more than me on a subject, I can completely remove my ego and go, I'm going to learn from you, even though I don't like you. Yeah. Um, because I want to learn. And um, actually, I don't really not like many, if any, people, because I think human beings, we can all exhibit all traits. And we're all doing the best we can with what we know. But, like, you know, stylistically, I don't particularly resonate with Gary Vee. I think he's quite aggressive, though that's quite ironic because some people would say that about me. Stylistically, maybe not Jordan Belfort or Dan Pena. Stylistically, I don't resonate. I resonate much more with, you know, maybe um, Grant Cardone. He's a friend of mine. I, I, I like him more stylistically. I like, I don't know, Simon Sinek. I think I, I like him stylistically. So, but... I, I learned a f fuck of a lot from those people that I don't like stylistically. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, like Elon Musk, massively divisive character. But if you can't... Oh, I learned so much from that guy. Total, yeah. total admiration. Anyone, anyone who's successful, total admiration. Don't, don't have to like you. And, and anyway, who am I to say I don't like you? Yeah. You know, like, I'm no judge. I'm no jury. I, I, I even think when I say I like you, I don't like you. 
I think, what right do I have to decree that you are lower than me because I don't like you? Gary Vee doesn't give a fuck if I like him stylistically or not. So I don't even really mention this stuff because whether I like someone in the grand scheme of the universe is the most irrelevant thing ever. So never let shit like that get in the way of your mission. And when you have an inspired mission, this is the thing. Inspired mission minimizes all distraction. Yeah. There's a big argument going off over there and they're talking about you. Wait a minute. I've got an inspired mission. Gone. You know, whereas if you haven't got an inspired mission, oh, what are you saying about me? Oh, what are you doing? Oh. So, so people aren't busy enough and aren't inspired enough to do meaningful work. Like when you're on an inspired mission, you haven't got time for distractions or wasting time. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You, you haven't got time to decide whether you dislike someone or not very often. It's what can I take from this person? What, yeah. what can I gain? But yeah, but who am I even to say that? Like they may not like me, um, but it's just ego. It's just yeah. ego because look, human beings have intrinsic fears uh, and ego protects from fears, but it's not the true version of who we are. Fair. So what would be your one piece of advice for someone looking to scale their business on mindset? I would say that your ability to deal with bigger problems is the one mindset trait that will help you scale the most. So how much stress can you handle? How much pressure can you take? And I think that, well, I saw a very famous entrepreneur do a speech and say, I know billionaires. I know loads of really well-educated, um, you know, people who've got quite good jobs, but not really successful. And there's one key difference between the billionaires and the wildly successful and all the people who've got all the Harvard education, but, you know, not really, not really achieving much. The ability to handle pressure and stress. Yeah. So your ability to handle ever-increasing levels of pressure and stress is the mindset required to grow. New level, new devil. And when you grow, you will just unearth a whole new load of problems you didn't even have before you started to grow. Yeah. That. And we don't, we, we don't see that because we're just like, oh, yeah, let's grow, take over the world. Yeah, we're going to be rich. Do you know what? Probably the three most disruptive and difficult times in my business journey are when we've aggressively grown. And I've got to, I've got to come up with another way to grow. I've thought I've set up all the systems like, all right, grow, bang. Then there's money wasted, complacency, lack of metrics and KPIs, lack of accountability, laziness, relying on money rather than resourcefulness. All these new shit that didn't exist all kicked in as soon as I hit the right, let's grow hard button. So I've got to reevaluate how I grow. Yeah, no, that's a, that whole being willing to spend time outside of your comfort zone. There's very few people willing to do that when they really look at themselves. Mm. So you've been, you've been really generous of your time. I'm really grateful, really generous of your expertise. Thank you. I've got one last question out of nowhere. What's your favorite film and why? Oh, man, this is hard. Um, I would probably say the best thing I've ever watched is the Alexander McQueen documentary. Okay. It's called McQueen. I always liked McQueen, but after watching that, I almost feel like I'm cheating on the brand wearing anything but McQueen. And... The journey of Alexander McQueen, you know, leading some of the biggest fashion houses in the world at age 21 and 23, and the struggle he had with the darker side of his life and personality and his desire to make people feel something and to do something fully expressed and creative and meaningful. i fucking so inspired by it. I just get goosebumps talking about it now. And I watched that on my two days before my 40th birthday. So that was 
he hung himself when he was 40 on the eve of his mum's funeral as well. So it was a tragic end. But for some reason, the tragedy creates the legacy. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of Kurt Cobain. He could have done six more albums that were shit. Yeah. But, he, you know, he immortalised himself in a way. In a way. I'm not saying I'm not condoning that behaviour or saying anything about that, but I'm just saying, you know, and Jeff Buckley, what an amazing musician, and because he died young and... You know, so he almost immortalized himself by diet, by, you know, going so young. So I would say that is the best thing I've ever seen. It's a documentary, not a film. Um, Succession is the best series on TV, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you'll freaking love it. And most people don't know about it. And I've watched some great series. Um, uh, If I had to pick one film... I'd probably pick Donnie Darko. Okay. Um, you know, there's some that come to mind, but I don't know. There was just so much depth to Donnie Darko. You could watch that a hundred times and take a hundred different interpretations of that film. I think um, Jake, is it Gyllenhaal? I don't know how he's pronounced his last name properly, but I think he's a brilliant actor and mm-hmm. I think he was very underrated at that time. And the song that came out of that film, it was a rewrite of a Tears for Fears song, which was just an amazingly moving song. So I'd probably have to pick Donnie Darko, I would say, for film. Nice. We've got a good answer out of that. I'll ask that again. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you've been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the Stay Hungry podcast. That was wicked. And I'll catch you again. Always a pleasure. Take care. Hi everyone, Joel at Cobreak. Hope you enjoyed the podcast with Rob Moore. Some real insight there into entrepreneurial mindset and kind of not putting up with the shit that you do and owning your own shit, taking accountability and really, really pushing yourself outside your comfort zone for growth. If you'd like to read more about that kind of thing, check out Stay Hungry. It's Andy and I's book. It's available on Amazon and we'd love you to read a copy. Love to hear your thoughts. I'll catch you again. Take care.